you very much, Cavari and Elizabeth, for inviting me, and thank you all for coming. I'm sure it will be a great help for me. And as Elizabeth said, um, I just I got back last year. I'm in my writing up phase. I'm trying to make sense of of piles of data, and so it's it's wonderful to be to be able to share it with you. And um, I just wanted to say that I decided to narrow it down from what might be in the program. It said negotiating nutrition from baby to toddler in the Peruvian Andes. And today I'm going to look at the case of sprinkles, chispitas as they're, they're called locally there. So this, this photo I just wanted to put as an introduction. You can see the women in the village where I was living are gathered around in front of one of their houses. And the, this, here we have Roy who's giving them a talk about nutrition and, and food groups. Um, we'll move on to some other photos to, to illustrate a little bit the environment that I, that I was in. And, um, well, let's start. What I wanted to talk about is the way in which nutrition interventions in Peru invite us to ask how women are negotiating between what is already known and what is desired for their futures. This paper is concerned specifically with one nutrition recommendation currently on offer by the state, that of multi-micronutrients or sprinkles. Which, in which reception has been particularly problematic. So I will look at the inherent nature of the product and how that fits in with women's ways of knowing and where it comes from, it comes from the state, and the role that state workers play in that. Despite initial reservations, some women are accepting sprinkles, and I link this to the way in which uh, nutrition education fits within a larger vision held by these women taken up as part of a tendency to look outwards towards a future other than farming. Um, recourse to work on agency and pragmatism will help us look at how women navigate new nutrition advice. And um, critical work on global health and women in development also uh, help us examine this case. So as we already spoke about, this paper is based on my, my field work in the Peruvian Andes last year where I lived in a small village with my, with my children, and I explored the way in which mothers understand and make use of the various programs and services, mostly by the state, oriented or targeted at poor rural women, of which nutrition is, is one part. Um, just to mention, I've changed the names of people and of the village. And uh, anyway, the context, public health and, and anemia in Peru. Briefly, um, rates of chronic malnutrition in the population are still high, affecting 18% of under fives nationwide. That's down from 2007 uh, rates of over 28%. Um, but if we look just at rural children, it's still at 32. That, we're talking about chronic malnutrition. Um, the, the reduction has been uh, dealt with, it has been looked at in development literature and uh, has explained, been explained partially in relation to political will generated by civil society networks and international organizations. Uh, and um, however, iron deficiency anemia linked to cognitive de development difficulties and to learning difficulties in preschool and school-aged children, it's still high, as we mentioned in the introduction, um, 45%. And so the state is uh, responding by rolling out a program of sprinkles or multi-micronutrients to distribute through the national health system. In certain key areas, including Ayacucho, where, where they, were, they did a, a pilot phase, and now uh, nationwide. 
with the help of, of UNICEF. Um, from the point of view of people living in Ayacucho, where this research took place, and, um, well, anyway, you can see there, just, I was around in that middle part there, um, the presence of the state uh, was really established as the violence between the Shining Path or the Sendero and the military came to an end, and infrastructure was rolled out in the area, house construction, highways, schools, health centers, and the program of basic health for all. This arrived with the Fujimori government. Um, and in this, in this stage, the number of health workers doubled in the region. Public health now offers universal coverage, so poor people have free access, um, those state workers, they pay into and have an e-salud access, which is a, um, a higher level uh, national, national health security system. Um, in, the two, in the year 2000, well, 2000 onwards, multi um, malnutrition became, came to be dealt with as a multi-sector policy issue. And the, um, Peru is quite well known for its crecer or grow strategy in which international organizations and civil society organizations were in coordination, supposedly from national to regional to local level, to make sure that strategies worked to target and best make use of resources in each place. Um, nutrition work carried out by public health has actually made significant inroads in village families. As Vera told me, their medicine is bad, but nutrition is good. Before, we didn't know about weight and height. The widespread reach of nutrition education is due to the Juntos Conditional Cash Transfer Program, which started in 2005. So in that program, it includes mandatory visits to the health center for newborns and for pregnant women until school age, uh, children until school age, and women also describe how they were, were obligated to attend nutrition education sessions in pregnancy. These obligations, of course, were not accepted without resistance, as Juana said, being a mother was easier in the past. It's now all full of controls, weight, height, all the time. But the normalization of the nutrition checkups is significant for me. It's an activity now which we don't just see in the Juntos participants, but we see a lot of mothers doing to check if their baby is, is fine. Um, village level nutrition demonstration sessions are also held frequently by visiting nurses. That's another main nutrition encounter that we find. Um, so frequently that I found uh, Maria t correcting the health worker about the, no the amount of spoonfuls of a certain type of lentil uh, of beans that was supposed to be in the plate and at what texture for the 9 to 11 month old. So they're, they're really on top of that. Um, because of nutrition work, women are especially concerned with saving fruit, cheese, eggs, portions of meat, specifically for their toddlers, where patterns were different in the past. Um, there's also in this village a one new NGO doing um, a pilot project on alternative responses to iron deficiency anemia, which include um, traditional blood-based uh, recipes. So anyway, uh, introduction aside, as this story starts, women are picking up the sprinkles in the health center and they're bringing them to their homes and they are told to mix, to mix in, um, the, the, the sprinkles in two spoons of solid food and feed that to their children um, every second day for um, growth and for intellectual or mental development. 
Um, however, some of the package or a lot of the packages are being left unused in the houses and this is generating frustration in the, in the health system. Um, unfortunately, I can't show you a picture. I didn't bring one of the chispitas. That's how the package looks. But uh, when you open it, they're like little silvery grains, kind of uh, flakes or powder. And um, they have a, an iron taste if you, if you put them on the tip of your tongue. Yes, as I said, that was generating some frustration in the health system. I just wanted to mention that when I was in a regional public event on anemia, I heard a high-level regional health official explain to the crowded hall that anemia was due to the lack of awareness of the mother who does not give sprinkles to her child. All she has to do is put them in the food. Now, in Canaria, it was not a lack of awareness or a lack of interest. Uh, I found that mothers were anxious to find out if their children were at risk and later spoke with pride if the blood tests were fine. However, the enthusiasm for sprinkles as a response to the threat of anemia was, not, was altogether weak. Um, so I want to talk about sprinkles and, and their category. I would like to talk about um, women's doubts about the nature of sprinkles and how they fit within existing bodies of knowledge and suggest that they are ill-accepted in terms of their category. Um, maybe it will be helpful to back up and look at some of the associations surrounding the arrival of malnutrition to the village. I heard many references to the value of natural homegrown food as opposed to low quality food found in the city or chemical chicken as they called the, the poultry from the factories. Um, they, I came to realize that some farmers link changes in agricultural practices to the appearance of malnutrition, not only because the introduction of chemical came when yields were low and there was less food, but rather that um, the chemical nature of production itself was, was becoming evident to them. Malnutrition, they say, is because of lack of vitamins. Before, there wasn't malnutrition. People were eating meat that was natural. Now it's all chemical. Injections for animals, also the fertilizer on crops. And this grandmother was not a fan of the new nutrition recommendations. The way that she spoke, it seems food grown unnaturally results in sickly bodies. As she would say, now people are controlled from pregnancy. I don't know what things, what pills they give them, like cows they put in injections. I don't know if these kids really are fine. They are cared, they were more cared for, but they are sicklier. So in the village, sprinkles too are referred as chemical and are treated with due suspicion. Vera, who was chosen by the nurse to organize educational activities against anemia in the village, was not convinced about the product. Before, we didn't even know about sprinkles. We fed our babies natural and they were fine. When I was visiting uh, women's houses as the president of Juntos, I saw a lot of sprinkle packages lying around like ajinomoto, and people really don't like using them. Uh, this pattern of, of stockpiling sprinkles was not limited to the village where I, um, where I worked. In the neighboring area, I remember women admitting that they did not use the product and had no intention of doing so, and wondered, why don't they make it from carrots or something that, that's made from food? Now, I mean they admitted because that was always a secondary half an hour of conversation after their initial, oh yes, of course, we love it, which they would tell you know, to health workers, just do not get a frustration. Um, so here we appear to face a category problem, most obviously that women are being asked to feed something to their child for growth, which is not a food. Um, although sprinkles, we have to remember, are a supplement, they're not a medicine, 
But perhaps an example from East Africa may still be helpful. Um, there, dawa can refer to almost any substance with the capacity to change things, such as pharmaceuticals, industrial fertilizers, fuel. So medicines that share membership with these other noxious products in this category, uh, whose meanings form, inform each other, creating a social and cultural field, which is more complex than one normally associated in biomedicine with the category medicine. So I feel that sprinkles, too, are ambiguous. They are to be eaten, but they are chemical, and they share its associations and they share its risks. Um, on the other hand, regarding food-based recommendations, women negotiate nutrition advice with their own concepts of eating well. And I think it's useful to look at both in terms of what they're said to both, to look at both in terms of what they are said to give to the body. Health workers have said that certain food groups are essential for babies' growth. Um, meat for strength, fruits and vegetables for health, and most recently, as I said, iron-rich foods for strong blood. And that seems to, to make sense, sense for them. Um, in the Andes, good food, well, principally soup, made from local grains and legumes, um, was deemed to transmit properties appropriate for the agricultural lifestyle endurance and strength. Um, there's also a tradition of one-off provision of specific foods deemed to transmit particularly prop particular properties because of their inherent characteristics. So soup transmits endurance or strength, or the, or the, um, the necessary uh, properties for endurance and strength. Um, Maria explained how a child's first food should be the skin of a pig's stomach because then the child would be able to eat like a pig and not suffer the consequences. Another woman said, My mom said that before giving food to your baby, you should give him sweet wine, just a little bit. When you make the, your baby drink a bit of wine, they will grow into someone who speaks sweetly, be conversational. Um, various grandmothers said that offering chicken's feet to children is not a good idea, as they will tend to trip and fall when they grow later to walk. So then, what do the little gray filings transmit uh, to babies? Nora explained her doubts to some extent. In the post, they gave me sprinkles, saying that it is iron. But in the post, uh, sorry, post should be health center. Not, um, they give us what the government sends them. I don't trust sprinkles. Before, they gave us rice and oil in the post. When they give you food, you prepare it yourself. But sprinkles, I don't know what it is. I found grains of sand in it, so I don't give it to him anymore. She felt that other products were better suited to face the challenge of anemia. My other son, after his accident, I cured him with beet and carrot juice in the mornings. That makes blood recuperate, doesn't it? He was skinny, yellowish. I made him drink it every morning. They say that beets increase blood because, you know, they are red. I observed other mothers act to serve blood-based dishes, dishes to small children. Belinda's newly adopted habit was to put the blood of the rooster in the soup pot and give that portion specifically to her toddler. So um, there's the soup pot, and over here, uh, we, we killed the rooster. She drained the blood into a little dish, and while the soup was already boiling, she just put it in there, and then it coagulates into a nice mass, and then, oops, sorry, um, she just served that portion, there's a little girl over behind there, and she would eat that in her soup, making sure that she got the best uh, iron-rich part of the, of the dish. That is in reaction to nutrition education work. 
Not all women, however, refused sprinkles on grounds of being chemical. Some women tried them and did not like the product, as we will now see. So let's talk about sprinkles in the body. Women who tried sprinkles talk about their children's reactions on the body. They gave me sprinkles and I made my baby try them with mashed liver. The next day, he had spots all over his little body. He had fever. He was sick for a few days, so I didn't make him eat. I just breastfed him and he lost weight. What happened to him? For sure they did him damage. Sprinkles are not good. My husband also got irritated and said to me, why do you give him those silly things? Another decided not to use sprinkles after the first attempt because the sandiness made her fear would give him a kidney stone, she said. More often, mothers complained that their children just did not like the taste and that it had a bad smell. Lily and several others said that their children rejected the food if they saw their mother mixing the sprinkles in. This represented a significant practical problem in the context of malnutrition, as mothers were already anxious about urging their children to eat more, and they complained that they had low appetites. Nurses themselves were aware of this barrier, and they wished that sprinkles could be offered as candies or sweets. Um, Anyway, the evidence on their baby's bodies, plus the bad taste, appeared to reinforce suspicions about the nature of the product, or at least offer another justification for refusing it. not making use of it, I should say. Let's talk now about sprinkles and the state. Um, Some women's doubts rested on the nature of the product, as we've seen, while others were concerned about the source, the government. The complexity of women's views on the state, their opinion of public health in particular, and their relationship with health workers gave meaning to to the product. Sprinkles, by association, face a problem of assumed low quality. Uh, because of the low trust regarding public health services as an option for treatment for illness. So, um, for example, Sylvia, a woman of very scarce resources, uh, was trying to raise money to send her husband to a private clinic to treat uh, his severe leg pain. As in the public hospital, she said, they'll just cut off his whole leg. Authors have shown that lack of trust sometimes has to do with how state power was entwined with often coercive establishment of public health regimes. And we've seen this in the past in Peru with Fujimori's government and the, the forced sterilizations. And more recently, we could say with the way the Juntos program has been implemented and the nature of the obligator- obligatory um, components to improve nutrition practices, sometime encouraging an atmosphere of vigilance. Um, Lily told me that the nurse said to her, be careful if you don't make him eat them. We're going to visit your home to see if you're giving your baby sprinkles. And we're going to know when we see how much he weighs. Distrust and pressure um, eh, are combined with a lack of, in the, in the words of the nurses, a lack of appropriate materials and a lack of time to properly teach people about sprinkles. Um, also, I found sometimes contradictory advice was received from the health center. Julie recounts her experience. My youngest was the only one who received sprinkles. I gave it to him a bit, but he said it was salty. People were saying that they were sending them from another country so that in Peru the kids won't be so intelligent. We thought, we're causing damage to our kids. Don't tell anyone, but my niece's father said to my sister, don't give it to my daughter. She told me not to, so I didn't. Now, this warning, don't give it to my daughter, came from a father who worked in the health center, not in a medical role, but in any case, he was feared that since the public health was administering them, them to the poor, they couldn't be good for his child. So rumors of Sprinkle's harmful nature were initially widespread in the community. Another woman said, they're vitamins for the child, but I don't believe it. They'll give us anything and say it's vitamins. Sometimes I give it to the pig. I've heard that the state has sent it so our children stay like dummies.
What does it have in it? Who knows what it is? How can we look at these rumors? Leach and Fairhead, who work on vaccines, mention how rumors should be looked at in relation to local experiences, not just an idiom for wider political concerns. While I was in Peru, children were reported to have died from uh, food distributed in the school lunch program. Um, at the same time, large stocks of sprinkles were taken, recollected from, from neighboring regions because of, of some quality problem, which raised suspicious and uh, made the, appears, the rumors appear as a, as a kind of protective defense. Um, the, this distrust of the state-supplied material invites us to ask questions about the categorization of sprinkles. Are they a problem because they're chemical, or are they in fact rejected because they're for the poor? When Leonore heard how much sprinkles were costing the state, she exclaimed, oh, I didn't use them, I threw them out. If I'd given them to my children, how great they would have turned out. Those cost dollars. I saw women of very low income buy their own tonics rather than use sprinkles. Um, so in their, um, sorry, in Shepard Hughes' experience, people complained about toxic drugs given out to poor without regards to their side effects. She suggests the category of medicines in that case became politicized. Um, in Peru, I saw that policymakers were aware of this problem. I heard a leading civil society advocate who was meeting with um, one of the doctors in the Ministry of Health tell him, people don't believe in using sprinkles because it's a product for the poor. We need to get it sold in Wong, which is an elite level supermarket, uh, so that it doesn't have the same stigma. Finally, crucially, in, in terms of the, their interactions with the state, we must also consider the role of the messenger, in this case, the health workers, who are the point of contact and exchange with the local women. Authors have pointed out how science and the global are made local in social actor interactions with workers at village level, and this also helps shape the meaning products are given. So in Peru, in the, event, in the prevention of anemia, actually nutrition work in general, this has become tied up with notions of backwards, uneducated, uh, undedicated mothers. And blame has, has really flavored the social interactions surrounding public health there. Um, I participated in a provincial workshop to formulate the strategy to fight anemia where health workers, government officials, NGO staff, and a few families from the rural areas gathered in a big hall. Um, as one of the exercises during the event, we all had to write on a card the main cause of anemia in our opinion. Um, and they were all read out and stuck on a poster for us all to consider. And one health worker wrote, lack of love for sons and daughters. Um, and I felt that this was symbolic of the, the misunderstanding um, that gives life to, to prejudice in these interactions in, in Peru. Some health workers are well-meaning, yet paternalistic. Here we have Roy, and he's in the midst of his explanation of different food groups and the quantities that mothers need to feed their children on a daily basis. He speaks very in a very kindly manner, and he was explaining, five out of ten children have anemia here. Does the child make the food? No, the mother makes it. The grandmother makes it. I'm telling you, eat meat every day. Did I say every week? No, I said every day. And he's referring, of course, to, to their patterns of, of consumption in the village. 
Um, other health workers alienate women. The nurse humiliates us. She criticizes us. She's often in a bad mood. Maybe someone brought in a malnourished baby and she got angry. She yells a lot at Sylvia. She says, why do you have this malnourished baby? Better not have a baby at all. How do you live like this? And gets angry. Sylvia, she stopped going. The blame and anger appears to be more stressful in some cases than the actual concern about anemia. Um, Nora told me, irritably, that she told the nurses that they couldn't do a blood test for her baby. She didn't want to waste her baby's blood. Um, I imagine that she fears that his blood levels are still low, but she wants to keep her newfound status as the mother of a healthy baby because those are two of her five, I think, children, and she said she suffered a lot in the past, a lot of yelling and frustration. Her elder children suffered from malnutrition, and they have learning difficulties at school, and her most recent baby is very fat, and she says, I don't have to wait in line anymore at the health center, and they rush my baby in, and they kiss him, and they love him. So if he's, because he's, he's good in height and weight, but if he's, if She's fearing because she doesn't like, she doesn't use sprinkles. She fears his um, risk of anemia will still be high, so she decided to opt out of the, the blood tests. And uh, another lady also told me after, I think she had maybe four months earlier, a bad blood test result for her son. And so she was saying to me, um, I have to get him to recuperate. They'll be mad at me. He can recover in a month, can't he? and worried about the date of her, her next checkup, whereas you know, almost half a year had passed since his diagnosis. So some women, they feel scared rather than supported. Um, in part, this has to do with the discrimination and interpersonal skills of the staff. But I suggest that in part it's also about the, vigilant, the vigilance type system. So health workers are required to implement um, family-centered nutrition policies and the aim to change behavior in the home. There's a lot of literature about the way in which health programs end up labeling the mother as the problem and how health has become a moral issue. I feel that state workers are be being given a powerful channel to reassert their own social status in these encounters, whether it be well-meaning, for example, one state worker in the village who said, you must look at me and think, wow, she's so clean, but I too forget to wash my hands. Or sometimes it's offensive, uh, such as the Juntos worker who was kicked out of the area because they were tired of her calling them pigs and refusing to shake their hands. Exploring literature on the state as people uh, could shed light on how state workers have important impact on how, impact on how central policy is, is implemented. Of course, this is not a one-way exchange. Women in the village are also assessing what these roles mean, what the state workers, who the state workers are, not in terms of just of people, but what it is to have a regular salary, and they're weighing up a career as nurse or pharmacist for their own sons and daughters. Moving on, I want to talk now about social mobility and about mother's vision. Having looked at, the, looked at the distress surrounding sprinkles in the state, we cannot talk about the contextual aspects which encourage mothers to attempt to use sprinkles despite its negative baggage. I link this to the vision women have for their children, whom they do not want to inherit their poverty, their fatigue, and their rung on the bottom of the social ladder, and see education as the prime route out of, of rural life. Vera said to me, 
I tell my daughters to take advantage and just think about their studies, not about the chakra, the word they, they say for the land holdings. When Julie le- Julie's husband left for the jungle to work in the coca harvest, she explained, that's why I want my children to be professionals. They don't have to worry about money. How much it costs to send kids to school, their transport, their food, to have them living them far away in the city. They, then they can have a regular salary and not be so worried about money. You can't afford education just by farming. Several women with children under six admitted plans to move to the city in the near future. As Yolanda said, Edu wants me to go for Jennifer's studies. He says, for my daughter, so she's better for me. So, sorry, so she's better than me. De Gregorio and others have spoken about how historically education has been very important for social mobility in the highlands, partly because of um, historical exclusionary legislation where non-literate people couldn't vote. Um, De La Cadena has described a shift in Peru from racial discrimination to one based on education and economic success. Uh, Hegemonic in the sense that individuals deny the existence of insurmountable hierarchies and imminent cultural differences those that would place them in absolute inferior positions, and at the same time acquiesce to legitimacy of social differences created by educational achievements. So in this way, rural people take responsibility for overcoming their own low social position. The discrimination they face is contested by claiming a fluidity of category borders. Um, Nutrition talk has been tied tightly to mother's vision of an urban salaried future for their children. As we heard in one session in the village, the nurse explaining, yes, if you feed your children and they are fine, they will manage to be something when they're big. For example, look at Toledo. Maybe they can be mayor or engineer, the health worker said, referring to an ex-president with indigenous-looking features. Um, So mothers and fathers are assuming that their children will be urban professionals, And they even remind their kids, oh, when you're big, come back to the village, bring toys, don't forget, don't look down on people here. Um, Because sprinkles, they are, I'm sorry, it's not easy at all to see, Um, sprinkles are associated with intelligence. There's a poster, and these are visiting teachers, but that's someone, a local person's house, and that poster is showing kids drawing and writing, and there's... uh, an arrow going to this lady who's professional and that doctor. That's how they will be. If we eat now, that's how we'll be when we're older. And this one too. Um, Here there's iron-rich food, there's the body, and there's an engineer and a nurse. Right? So they're they're trying to build those links also in the health profession. Um, Some mothers are on board with this. One told me, I remember with the, the papilla that they gave out, the mothers would say that you shouldn't use it, your boy will be stupid, but I gave it to my son. Sprinkles too, they said they will do damage, but I gave it to him. I didn't give it to him every day, but when he didn't have appetite, they said to put it in solid food, and he didn't like it, so I put it in his milk, and he drank it. And look, he's very intelligent, said one mother. Um, another, when I told her, oh, some women don't like to use sprinkles, she said to me, ah, oh, it must be ignorance. Why wouldn't I give them to him? It's for the baby. Some mothers don't know. They don't understand. So suddenly, not using sprinkles is used to locate women in a not knowing category. Whether 
she, that mother, actually uses sprinkles or not. Through the idiom of nutrition, she is positioning herself as a mother who's in the know. Um, I came to see how this was not expressed just in individual commentary, but also nutrition was used to position people in public as well. One afternoon, the small preschool meeting that we were attending in the, in the center of the village was uh, melded into a larger juntos meeting. So many more women arrived slowly, about 30 people. And after the juntos part finished, the women were still there and the preschool teacher stood up again and she said to the, to the audience, um, she repeated an earlier message that mothers must send containers of cooked food to their children at preschool. Um, preschool is usually from 8 to 12.30 and said, one boy is sleeping during school. Sleeping, they usually take as a, if they sleep in school, they always attribute it, the mothers attribute that to being, not being fed well. His mother doesn't cook segundo. At listening is shocked, oh, from the listeners, as if it was a public disgrace to cook only soup. So segundo is what they call um, rice or pasta or fried potatoes and could be with, with lentils, but something solid. Um, so on many occasions, they seem to label this particular woman as the irresponsible mother and measure themselves against her. Um, other, other research, for example, Thorpe, looking at in part at migrant communities in Peru, suggests that there, if people can, people can get higher status by socially punishing those who are just below, and this tendency serves to reproduce uh, prejudice and, and social hierarchies, which seem to be my sense of the, the situation in, in some moments. Um, as, a, as a last point about the way in which nutrition advice finds a place in women's visions for their children, I'd like to take a look at, at the body. In Kanagia, they can see how this newly defined condition, malnutrition, could pass from mother to child in pregnancy, breast milk, or food. Um, they know that sadness, cold, just as they know already that sadness, cold, stomach illness, other emotions can pass through breast milk from mother to unborn child too. And they were impressed with the way in which new nutrition practices had passed through the body um, from babies in the womb and leaving evidence on their children's bodies. Julie explained to me, not without a bit of regret, my first two sons, I didn't eat well in pregnancy. They were born small, 2.5 or 2.7 kilograms. Um, but with my other babies, it was better. I went to the health center. I think Brian weighed 3.2 kilos. She relates this to her eldest son and how he's been held back two years in secondary school. Mothers notice difference in their pregnancies, their babies, and their child's abil children's abilities. Vera warned my pregnant friend to eat well during pregnancy. She said she herself had not done so with one of her daughters. I felt sick. I only drank tea. And now I see my gr girl cannot, drink, cannot learn well. My biggest fear is that she will be illiterate. Above, we saw that sprinkles are linked to intelligence. And some women are making use in case it helps their educational future. Perhaps, I suggest, like they used to pass a deer foot over a baby so he would run fast and not trip. Um, new expectations for children's futures have, been, have made a shift from an emphasis on strength to carry out agricultural work to one on alertness intellig and intelligence. And mothers are already looking for evidence that they have a different kind of baby. They're born with their eyes open, said Gloria, referring to babies now as 
um, compared to in the past, they were seen to, to remain a few days with their eyes closed. Women are trying to respond to new conditions, building a baby who is other than farmer, grooming children for a new kind of success. Belinda said that her parents bring special food for Jenny and new clothes, adding, my mother tells me she should be the most intelligent, better than the others, feed her well. And later she showed me laughing how she had taught her little daughter to say, when I grow up, I will be a civil engineer and build roads and bridges. Uh, nutrition becomes linked then to the creation of a certain type of citizen and is tied up in this way with visions of social mobility. Um, we can see this in, also in Weismantel's work in the Andes about status markers on the body and the construction of whiteness. Um, and this helps us understand the nature of Peruvian social mobility and how bodies can be remade. Um, I was going to say that, um, well, mothers, they have a vision of a future beyond the chakra. And I think that if sprinkles are given a place in people's days, it's in that context. Oh, this is just to show that this is the mother's dream because this girl is chosen to be the first uh, marcher in the class at district level in the parade. And then the mayor is saying, these are the professionals of tomorrow. And so from the village, the good students are given that 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 honor and um, that, that's a special. Oh, there's my daughter. She's really doing a bad marching. She's not <laughs> properly organized. She's not used to that. So anyway, um, last part here: decision making, self presentation, uh, agency. Mothers are keen to show their agency, um, their leadership within their own lives. I want to show. I want to say. Protagonism, but I don't think that's a, a word that we use in English. We can see in public health and development literature how certain types of citizens are constructed from the outside, such as Briggs and sanitary citizen, or the citizens who don't promptly uptake their um, health recommendations. Women in Canaria do not locate themselves in the external category of the neglectful or ignorant rural woman. We can look at their expressions of agency also in the context of post-conflict society, which has created a picture of rural Andeans as ignorant victims used in the Shining Path agenda, and which requires later that they act out their own victimhood to gain reparations. Um, I did not hear much about the violence. However, I did hear numerous narratives of overcoming terrible childhood conditions of poverty and of abandonment. So comparing their current selves to their own version of their pasts and comparing it to their less responsible neighbors, they show how they can move beyond that category location in which they're often put by a generalized health, health discourse combined with uh, social discrimination. Um, there's, uh, there's other work that's helpful, um, the way that women in development being, uh, resist being the, stuck in the category of, of underdeveloped. Um, as well, the community as a whole enjoys showing that they resist being dominated. For example, they were proud to kick out the Juntos worker who is uh, maltreating them. And they say in public, oh, tell that grumpy nurse that if we didn't have babies, she wouldn't have a job. Because of us, they're paid. Of course, manifestations of agency or individual pathways vary widely. Most women present themselves as making their own choices, or at least... Um, in full partnership with their husbands, those who have husbands. There are many single mothers. Women without much space for, space for decision within their families have less possibility of following nutrition recommendations. 
Unith and Kumar writes of an agency um, influenced by family, emotion, desire, and expectations. And I think that expectations of opportunities greatly influence women's reactions to new ideas. Those most likely to take up sprinkles, or nutrition leadership, are those uh, who present themselves as being closer to social mobility goals. Those most tied to rumor and distrust are those who suffer poverty and problematic relationships. Yet, yet opting out, such as Kara, who said about sprinkles, mm, I pick them up, I store them, uh, does not have to be translated as submission or resistance. As Mahmoud said, passivity can be a form of agency, um, as can acts that aim towards continuity or stability. So I do not mean to overstate the importance of these nutrition interventions in women's lives. Women's priorities take them elsewhere. Um, they are economic and productive workers in their own eyes. Um, as Margarita says, a good mother watches out for her son. How to afford to feed him, to dress him, to give him good studies, how to have a professional. That is my goal, to have a professional son. I stayed as a farmer, but I want my son to be professional, so I have to work. In terms of priorities, Rosa confided, she's much more worried about her older children who are off alone studying in the city than the toddlers who are always around her at home who are the focus of the state's interventions in poor families in Peru. Um, so if nutrition recommendations can be followed within these priorities, then fine. But as Locke says about medical technologies, Ambivalence, coupled with pragmatism, may be the dominant mode of response to medicalization by women. They weigh the apparent benefits the, uh, with the cost to themselves. If it serves their own ends, then most women will avail themselves of what is offered. Like Yolanda, for example, whose daughter was playing with mounds of sprinkle packages while she was cooking dinner. And Yolanda said about her daughter, Maria says, put me sprinkles, put me. But then sometimes she doesn't want to eat her food after that. So I don't bother. It appears pragmatic that eating itself is better than not eating a meal that's mixed with sprinkles. Uh, even those who use sprinkles, they actually send them to the state daycare to be mixed by the carers in the food there, and they don't have the hassle themselves. It's practical. So to finish, I would like to mention that those who are leaders in nutrition, um, in state-led activities, because of their own... Um, they are leaders because their own knowledge of mothering completely beyond the realm of that offered by the state. Um, so what I want to say is that taking on sprinkles did in no sense require a relaxing of their own way of knowledge or a reduction in their own repertoire, just an adding on. If they're leaders in mothering in a larger context because of their own experiential knowledge, then maybe they'll, they'll take the, um, the leadership in those nutrition activities as well. Um, one woman, for example, is a traditional curer. Another one told me, jokingly, she offered to raise my son. She was sure she could do a much better job at keeping him healthy in the village than I could. Um, so here, uh, what I've tried to explain is why, someone, so why some women don't like sprinkles and why others are willing to go along and how in the larger scheme of their lives, what the state can offer or advise is secondary, secondary even, way, even when women may share similar end goals of making respected citizens of, of their children. Thank you.